BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, and welcome back to the Balance Wand podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and today's guest is the incredible Marianne Williamson. This was a big deal for me because not too long ago, maybe two years ago, I posted on my Instagram stories, these are my dream guests for the Balance Wand podcast. There's Oprah, there's Deepak Chopra, there's Marianne Williamson, and the list went on from there. But because I said Marianne was a dream guest and I asked you guys to help me manifest her on the podcast and then it happened, I know that so many people listening were a part of making this happen. And because you listen to this podcast, that's why it happens. That's why we're able to get such incredible guests on the show. And I thank you guys for that from the bottom of my heart. We are a community. We do this together. And it is such an honor and so much fun to be able to have these conversations. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Since the time that I posted that I wanted to have Marianne on the show, she has since ran for president in 2020. She is is such a powerhouse woman. So not only is this a deep spiritual conversation because she's one of the original teachers of A Course in Miracles. She's been teaching about spirituality since the early 1970s. She went on Oprah in the early 1990s to talk about spirituality before people were into thinking big and thinking with the law of attraction and open to channeling and truly talking about miracles. So she is such an absolute inspiration in that way and beyond. We don't just talk about spirituality in this episode. We talk about politics. And that's not a conversation that I often have on the Balance Bond podcast. And with everything going on in the world and everything that has been going on in the world, the conversation is so timely. And what better person to have on the show to cover some of these topics than Marianne. So whatever your political views are, I hope that you will take away a lot from this conversation. And I always say I have guests on the podcast from all walks of life, people who I agree with on many things, people who I disagree with on many things. And one thing I think we can all agree on is a lot of what Marianne talks about is human rights. It's not just politics. It's basic human rights. She's been talking about 
equality and racial reconciliation issues since the early 1990s. So she has been ahead of her time when it comes to fighting for equality, and she's advocated for reparations for slavery since the 1990s as well. So she is someone who I admire very much. We talk, like I said, a lot about human rights. We also have a really interesting discussion about QAnon and Marianne's take on the shifts that the spiritual community has experienced over the last four decades of her being in the spiritual spotlight. And I learned a lot from her. I had no idea that within QAnon, there were many different code words that are dangerous and racially charged and religiously charged and otherwise. So I was very educated by her in this conversation. And beyond that, we also were able to discuss all things spirituality and all things human design, family. Marianne's daughter is exactly my age. She was born in 1990, just like me. So we bonded over that. And Marianne's birthday is only one day off from my mom. So there's just a lot of really cool divine synchronicities here. We talked about miracles. We talked about her own personal life. And I asked her the burning question that everyone wanted to know. Is she running for president again in 2024? So you'll have to listen to the conversation to find out. And I also just want to say, I was so excited and so nervous to have this conversation because this is a huge guest for me to have. I started this podcast with the first few guests as my mom, my husband before he was even my boyfriend, close friends of mine who had started companies. And here we are having one of my dream guests who was totally manifested on the podcast, on the show, as well as she was a presidential candidate in 2020. And that is a big deal. So I have to tell you upfront, I was very nervous, very nervous. And I really pushed myself here to be comfortable, to get out of my own way and to live up to talking to someone as wise and someone just as thoughtful, mindful and powerful as Marianne is. And at the end of the day, that's what we all are. We are all just a mirror for each other. So I just wanted to put that out there. If I can do it, if I can manifest one of my dream guests onto the show, you guys listening can do the same thing. You can do anything that you want to do. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode. Before we get into it, let's start with a word from our sponsor, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic has been a longtime sponsor of the Balance Lawn podcast. They are an adaptogenic and functional mushroom company. And first of all, I want you to know you can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, and that is only for our Soul on Fire listeners. So that's foursigmatic.com slash blonde. And to tell you a little bit about them, because they are so amazing, Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is real, always organic, fair trade, with lion's mane mushroom for productivity, chaga mushroom for immune support, and it's all vegan, mostly sugar-free. Some of them are low sugar, depending on which item you're shopping, but their regular mushroom coffee is completely sugar-free, and it tastes amazing with incredible health benefits. 
I've been drinking it since 2015. We've had the founder, Taro, on the podcast where we've talked about foraging mushrooms and entrepreneurship and all the health benefits of functional mushrooms. So one thing you should know is that this coffee does not taste like mushrooms. I can guarantee it tastes just like the coffee that you love. And like I said, everything is vegan, organic, and gluten-free. Plus every batch is third-party lab tested to ensure its purity and its safety so you know that you're getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. It's also easy on the gut, which is very helpful for those of us with gut issues. So we've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling mushroom coffee, but this is just for the Balanced Blonde listeners. So get up to 40% off plus free shipping on mushroom coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash blonde. You'll save up to 40% off plus free shipping. So go to F-O-U-R. S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash blonde and fuel your productivity and creativity with some lovely mushroom coffee. With that, let's get into this episode with the Queen Marianne Williamson. Okay, Marianne, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank I've you. Been such a fan for so long. I, I so appreciate return, that. Of course, I read a Return to Love, and it changed my life about ten years ago, and I return to it all the time. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you here, and I I just want to get started by hearing about what was your introduction into the spiritual world. Well, even when I was a child, I had a real strong sense of God. And I mean, I grew up in a traditional Jewish home, but they weren't Orthodox or anything like that, although my grandfather was. But I just had a, a sense of all that. I prayed at night very fervently when I was a little girl, like many little children do. And then when I was in high school, I remember reading my first astrology books and, you know, all of those more esoteric things. And then when I was in college, I would study comparative religion. And I realized that I had just as much interest in the more esoteric as I had in traditional academic theological issues. Anything that had to do with the higher mind or more to the world than just what we see with our physical eyes. And here with our physical senses. So I was always interested, but I wasn't particularly adept at applying any of those things to my life in a way that really made me see a practical difference. When I found the Course in Miracles, when I was in my mid-20s, that's when so much broke open for me, where I saw a lot of the ideas, even many that weren't really unknown to me, but in a way that I could actually apply and see my circumstances change. Yes, that makes so much sense to me and is so inspiring to hear. So was there something specific in your life that was going on that led you to find A Course in Miracles, like a specific struggle that you were dealing with, or were you just intuitively guided toward the course? You know, I think the 20s are hard. I don't know. How old are you, Jordan? I just turned 30, so I can definitely speak to that. The 20s are hard. I think the 20s are hard for most people. Um, In fact, one of the things that has 
uh, disappointed me in the last few years is seeing how we're almost pathologizing it. The 20s are hard. There's no generation for whom the 20s are not hard. <laughs> so and, um, and so I went through the same things that most people in my generation went through. But I think that every generation has its version of it. So by the time I found The Course in Miracles at the age of somewhere in my mid-20s, I was definitely ready to seriously find another way of trying to live my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I can definitely relate to that. And A Course in Miracles is incredible. It can also be a little bit dense for people who are just getting into spirituality it can be a little bit hard to understand. And you're such a gift because the way that you share A Course in Miracles has resonated with so many people and I think has really changed things and made it so much more accessible to people, which is amazing, people like me. Well, thank you. You know, I actually am reading the workbook exercises every morning. People can actually go to marianne.com and download and I read the workbook exercise and then I explain it a little bit. Um, so it does seem very intimidating, but when you actually get into it, the principles themselves are not difficult. They're very simple. They're just so different. So yeah, what you just said, I've always felt that return to love was like the cliff notes of A Course in Miracles. It's just a real simplification so that theoretically it's going to be so difficult to apply. That's exactly how I see it. That's so beautiful. So fast forwarding a little bit from there. You recently ran for president. I did. That was huge. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I mean, huge. As, as huge as it gets. Yeah, kind of as huge as it gets. So what I'm the most curious about is what inspired you to run for president? You have this amazing life and it would have been easy, I would think, to stay comfortable. What came to you and made you think this is the time and made you know in your heart, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for president. There are two answers to that question. One is rational and one is non-rational. And remember the word non-rational does not mean irrational. It just means non-rational. I saw over the last 20 years, many people, because I've been doing what I do for about 35 years, but I saw over the last 20 years, so many people, Jordan, who were having a very difficult time in their lives through no fault of their own in situations that weren't like an act of God. It wasn't like they'd gotten sick or someone they loved died. It was people who were working really hard, but still had to work two, maybe even three jobs. People who were working really hard, but still couldn't possibly get out from under this college loan debt for years and years and years. People who were working really hard but had to be at jobs that they hated in order to have health insurance. People who were working really, really hard but still had no health insurance. And I realized how much pain I saw in people's lives that was a direct or at least an indirect result of bad public policy. And I saw a political system that covered that over. And I felt I had a few things I wanted to say about that. That's number one. On the non-rational side, it just, it was an overwhelming sense of rightness. I once heard Oprah Winfrey say, don't do something unless every part of you says yes. And it was something that every part of me said yes about doing. 
Wow. Okay. That makes sense. So it came into your consciousness. It was a huge yes. And then you listened and you decided to run. What was that like? I got on video and I said, I'm thinking about running. I didn't ask for money. I just said, I'm thinking about running. And there was a donate button, but I purposely didn't ask for money. And $400,000 came in. And I took that as a sign from people to do it. And um, from there, it unfolded. And I, of course, it was quite a ride. It was equal parts brutal and exhilarating. And I hope, Jordan, that many more young people will run for office. Because right now, our politics is dominated by lawyers and accountants and traditional political thinkers. And some lawyers and accountants and traditional political thinkers are lovely people, don't get me wrong. But the mindset that dominates politics got us into a terrible ditch. And what that system says is that only people who have had years of experience within that mindset should be considered qualified to lead us out of the ditch. But I don't agree with that. We need more healers and philosophers and artists and poets and, and farmers and scientists and teachers and people like many of the people who uh, probably listen to your podcast. I totally agree with you. And I hope, and having been within that system and having had that experience, I believe it even more strongly because there are two parallel universes, as it were. There's the actual people of the United States and we're dignified, decent, good people. And I felt talking to voters that if democracy really worked and the the collective wisdom and group conscience of the American people guided this country, we would be fine. But instead, there's this sort of political media industrial complex, this establishment backed by billions of dollars. And their ideas are not necessarily the best ones. And I think that we just came so close to an absolute calamity. And I think a lot of people are thinking about what do we have to do now so that we don't go back to the kind of situation that produced that catastrophe. And to me, I, it means a lot of people like yourself, Jordan, people your age, people who uh, would never have even thought that politics might be in their future, I hope, are thinking about right now, maybe I'll run for city council. Get started now. And that's what I would say to people your age, get started now. Uh, We're not going to fundamentally change uh, politics until we have a different kind of people that get involved in politics at such a critical mass that they're not just sucked into the system and they don't just become part of it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, I think you coming along and running for president made that so for many people to think about politics differently and to think that there can be a different kind of politician and to lead with love and lead with well, heart. I, that makes me happy. I hope so. And, and women too, you know, um, to not feel that we have to be anyone other than we are 
Yes, I absolutely agree with you on that. And that was something I was going to ask you. What can we do now to further your message? And maybe for people who don't want to get into politics, maybe that is what they do. What can we do right now to further your message and to make the world a better place? Well, I think the word citizenship has to start meaning something to everyone. Uh, What just recently happened in this country, and it was, we should never forget how close we came to falling over the cliff. And if we'd fallen over that cliff, we would have lost many of the freedoms that most of us take for granted. Now, we realize the importance. A lot of people woke up and realized, wow, democracy really does matter. Citizenship really does matter. But citizenship has now got to become part of what we think of as an aspect of a well-lived life, just like your health is, just like exercise is, how you eat, what you do for a living, what your personal relationships are. Citizenship, your relationship to your community needs to become as important as any other aspect of life. And that means... When was the last time you even went to a city council meeting in your town or even thought about it? You know, I often joke that women need to start saying things to guys like, I'm going to a city council meeting on Thursday night. Yes. Yeah, it's the new hot day, right? Sexy. That, That it becomes the new cool in ways that for too many people didn't. Meanwhile, people that you would not want making major decisions for your life we're running for city council. Mm. They are running for the city boards and school boards and local offices and state. And then all of a sudden you look around, you go, what's happened in this country? Well, that's what happened. We looked away. And I think that that's what you learn about. You know, it's just like your health, Jordan, or your body. You can't afford to look away. You can't afford to not tend to it. Absolutely. So everybody wants to know, are you going to run again in 2024? You know, I described to you the kind of overwhelming sense of yes that I got last time. There's a line in The Course in Miracles that says, beware the temptation to self-initiated plans. If it's just something that you come up with, it's not going to go well. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's true. Um, and also, like I said, it was exhilarating, but it was also brutal. I mean, you couldn't open up a, your computer that somebody wasn't saying something horrible about me. Oh, my God. She's dangerous. She's crazy. She's anti-science. She's anti-medicine, which really goes back to some ancient misogynistic mm-hmm. a woman who doesn't say what you think she should say stuff. So I would only do this if that happens again. And I have no idea if that will ever happen again. If I ever get that kind of alignment of gut and heart and mind, that's like, then I will. But if that doesn't happen, then I won't. Well, that's inspiring. I needed to hear that because I make so many decisions. I try to make so many decisions about the future. Also knowing we can't make that decision until that time comes. Well, not just that. It, from a perspective of A Course in Miracles, where it says you should make no decisions for yourself, The Course in Miracles talks about the concept of the internal teacher. In the Christianity, it's called the Holy Spirit, whatever, intuition, the idea that there is an internal radar or guidance system. And what The Course in Miracles points out is that that part of your mind knows what's going to happen tomorrow. 
You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's coming around the bend. And also that part of your mind knows how your efforts can best work with the efforts of other people to bring about the greatest good for all living things. You can't with your rational mortal mind know those things. And that's why a more devotional life spent in prayer and meditation makes you a more finely tuned intuitional instrument. And that's why I said, even in a decision like that, my, my ego mind is not the one that should make that decision. Well, that's so freeing too, to know. It is so freeing. I'm, uh, exactly. It's so freeing. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's so I don't know. <laughs> right. Leave it up to the higher power. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I love what you say about we're all one and a drop in the ocean. And it's true. I mean, that goes back to what you just said as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what is your everyday spiritual practice? Well, I am a student of The Course in Miracles, and I have it like on the other side of my room, there's a coffee table in my living room, and I keep the book open, and I am very convinced from experience that my doing whatever your meditation practice is, whether it's Course in Miracles or a Buddhist practice or a Kabbalistic practice, um, transcendental meditation, whatever your meditation or prayer practices in the morning. The Course in Miracles says five minutes centered like that in the morning will guarantee your thought forms are guided by love. You will be you will have a completely different nervous system. If if you wake up in the morning, you know it's like you take a shower, you take a bath because you want to get yesterday's dirt off your body. But if you don't take time of meditation, quiet, reflection, whatever your practice is, you're carrying yesterday's stress into the day. So I have learned um, I, I can be a danger to myself and others, you know, because if I don't, because the world we live in is so frantic right now. And if you just wake up in the morning and you go to the computer, you go to your phone, you, you just download the, the craziness of the world, then there's no reason why, it's, why you should be surprised that you're depressed by noon. Right. So my practice, I do, I, I heard Bobby Roth, he heads the Transcendental Meditation um, Organization, and he, or one of them, the David Lutch Foundation, and he said, oh, Marianne, you should never drink your coffee before your meditation, but I just haven't been able to pull that off. So Mm -hmm. my morning thing is I get my coffee and I go over there and I read my uh, workbook exercise and everybody who works with me or knows me knows leave me alone in the morning. Don't even come close. Don't, don't even my, it, it, I really feel how much time it takes to get myself where I need to be to face this world. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better about my morning coffee with my meditation (laughs) to know that you're on the same page. Yeah. It's like, it's not going to happen. Oh, absolutely. With the workbook, A Course in Miracles, do you go in order or are you guided toward a certain page? Well, every every year is different. When you first do it, of course, you really need to go in in order. And as I, I, I mentioned to you before, I read them they're on video and then me talking a little bit about it if anybody's interested you can download those at marianne.com every year i do differently um because i've been doing it since the 1970s but this coming year and this is why or the year we're now in and this is why i decided to record them i am taking it day by day if you do it one day at a time which you need to do if you're a new student because it's a specific curriculum 
The exercises the first half of the year are dismantling a thought system based on fear. And the second half of, half of the year is building up a thought system based on love. And that's what the journey of enlightenment is. It's, it's shifting from one filter through which you see the world into another filter through which you see the world. And the filter, the perceptual filter that you bring to your experience will, will completely determine which world you see. Because the eyes of fear show you one world, the eyes of love show you another world. If you see the world through the eyes of fear, you're more likely to attack, you're more likely to defend, you're more likely to sabotage, you're more likely to build walls around yourself, you're more likely to suffer tension, anxiety, depression, etc. When you see through the eyes of love, you're more likely to forgive, you're more likely to bless rather than blame somebody, to get over yourself, to not make it all about you to be there in a situation to give something rather than just ask what you're getting from it. Uh, you, you know, we all have different aspects of our personality. And just like when you're, when you're doing yoga or any other kind of exercise, you're honing your muscles. Well, we can hone our attitudinal muscles. And, you know, it's not about, certainly for myself and everybody I know, it's not like we become enlightened masters, but... The living in a way that basically creates a life that works can become the exception. It can become the rule rather than the exception. And that right there is a big gain for most of us. Right. I mean, that would, that's an amazing way to live and would be an amazing way for the world. Well, at least to make the effort. We don't all, you know, nobody that I know makes it 24 seven. That's, that's the purview of the enlightened master. But uh, even to get there, like I said, where it's more often than not, and you have a far more peaceful, happier life. Yes, that's a gift. And it's a better world. All right, guys, we need to talk about this healthy soda alternative that I have not stopped drinking for the last several months, Olipop. I'm sure you've heard me talking about it on here or posting about it on my Instagram. I'm so obsessed. The only problem I'm having is that Jonathan is drinking all of it <laughs> before I can even get to it in my fridge some days. It is so delicious and it's a completely healthy alternative to soda. It tastes just like the sodas that we all grew up with, but without the spoonfuls of sugar and artificial sweeteners. They have delicious nostalgic flavors like vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and strawberry vanilla. So I'm pretty obsessed with the strawberry vanilla. That's the one I've told Jonathan he's not allowed to touch, but I also love the classic root beer. I love the orange squeeze. It really depends on what I'm in the mood for. And they have functional ingredients in their healthy soda that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your gut microbiome and benefit your digestive health, which is so incredible. It's also very, very low sugar. They only have two to five grams of sugar from natural sources, no added sugar at all. And to put it into perspective, a regular Coca-Cola, not to call them out, but I am, has 39 grams of sugar. So that's not something that I would recommend to anyone. They are so delicious and of course, all vegan, completely cruelty-free, which is a must to be TBB approved. And what I love the most is that it's actually good for your gut because it does have prebiotics 
and fiber in it, which is incredible. So we've worked out an exclusive deal for the Balance Bond podcast listeners. Receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a good way to try all of their delicious flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout to claim this deal. That is D-R-I-N-K. O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash blonde. This offer is only valid for their variety pack. You can also shop them in stores across the country, including Whole Foods, Kroger, Sprouts, Wegmans, and Air One. Now let's hop back into this episode with Marianne Williamson. So what is a miracle to you? Well, as a, a student of the Course in Miracles, uh, the, the miracle is defined as a shift in perception from fear to love. Every moment we're making a decision, we, we're either making the decision consciously or we're making the decision unconsciously, whether to face the world with an open heart or a closed heart. Every instant. But thought is so powerful that every thought creates form on some level. So to live from a miracle-minded perspective means that you're making the effort that every moment that you possibly can, you're showing up in love. Now, let's take this for an example. You're being very nice to me. So because you're being very nice to me, there's no impediment to my wanting to be available to love between us, okay? But what if you were not being nice to me? What if you were insulting me? What if you were acting in a way that was rude? What if you were triggering me? That's where the rubber meets the road, that you learn how to stand within the space of non-reactivity and love and defenselessness, even when they're coming at you. And that's the way you transform situations. Because when people are coming at you with their lovelessness, and then you respond with your lovelessness, your reaction, your attack back, your defensiveness, then it puts you onto what Buddha called a wheel of suffering. So the miracle is when you stand within a space within yourself where either love just becomes more love and more useful, or, you know, where you join with people, not just like this is an example. If you, you're being kind to me, I'm trying to do my best to show up for this experience. But the point isn't just that you and I be nice to each other. The point is that when you bring what you have to the situation and I have what I bring to the situation and there's a space of love and radical goodwill, then it's of service to other people too. That's really the point. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the issue of standing in a space of love, even when people aren't being loving towards you, makes you a transformer of the situation. You refuse to join in. And this is a lot easier said than done. We all know that. But when you can step back, I'm not going to join on that wheel of, suffer, wheel of suffering. I'm going to remember that love is what's real here, regardless of what you're, how you're treating me. And you don't have to worry that that will make you a doormat. Because when you're centered in love, then sometimes love says no, too. Love has more than enough capacity to set boundaries. Then you become a miracle worker. Because your, your very consciousness and your behavior transforms the situation from fear to love. That's beautiful. May we all be miracle workers. I love the way that you describe it. So a lot of people wanted me to ask you, because you've written a book about this, losing weight spiritually. Is that something that you can talk to us about? Well, I wrote a book um, uh, called A Course in Weight Loss. 
you know, this was my experience. Um, overeating has been an issue for me in my life, definitely. And I would say that it would be a, a default position for me. I gained a few pounds during COVID. Um, so, and I'm only five, two, five, two and a half. So I, when I was younger, like in my twenties, you know, adding 10 pounds was, it, it's a much bigger deal if you're five, two, than if you're five, eight. Right. And I tried everything. Sometimes I would, in fact, there were times when I was 20 pounds overweight, which in my height was just enough to make my life miserable. Right. And also it was a compulsive behavior. It was an obsessive behavior. And, it, you know, overeating was really causing me some, uh, a lot of issues in my life when I started. And, but I noticed, and I've seen this so much in people, I would diet, I would exercise, I would do all, all the things to uh, lose weight. And I, I would always put it back on. When I started the course in miracles, I, I remember actually when it happened, one day I looked down and weight was gone. I hadn't even tried. I looked down and this weight was gone. And I realized in that instant what it was. The Course in Miracles says, you think you have many different problems, but you really only have one. And that is your separation from God. And your separation from God is the same thing as your separation from other people. The Course in Miracles taught me that to the best of my ability in every moment, reach my hand across the walls that would divide me from another person. And in that moment, I realized that the weight I was carrying was a wall that I subconsciously built around myself to isolate myself in fear. And when the fear began to dissolve, and the Course in Miracles says, fear is to love what darkness is to light. Dark, you can't hit darkness to get rid of it. You turn on the light, the darkness is gone. You can't attack fear. You turn on love and the fear is gone. And so because I have been making my practice in life, how can I be more loving? How can I be more loving? How can I be more loving? Uh, the, the wall of fear disappeared. And that is, that is what I continue whenever I have any issue with weight to say, what, where are the places? The Course in Miracles says it's not your job to seek for love. It's your job to seek within yourself all the barriers you hold against its coming. And that's always the work. In what way did I display behavior today that would keep love at bay? Where was I needy? Where was I controlling? Where was I negative? Where was I mean? Where was I harsh? Where was I um, not there for others? Where was I an old emotional pattern and you know, the thing is, Jordan, you're 30. The time to do this work is when you're young, because it's kind of like plaque on your teeth or plaque on, on the heart, you know, the plaque on, on your heart, on people's heart who need like open heart surgery and stuff. It is literally the same as plaque on a person's teeth. It's buildup. It's hard buildup. And the same thing happens in our personality as we get older. So that's why, and it's same with yoga. Same with muscles, keeping them flexible. That's an issue not only in age of the body, but in consciousness. Keep yourself nimble. Keep yourself flexible. And so you always have to see, where is this a pattern that I do this all the time? I become judgmental. I become lazy. I become uh, needy. I become controlling. And sometimes it's very little. And you go, wow, 
that was just enough to keep that relationship at bay, just enough to ruin that opportunity, just enough to make them not want to hire me, just enough to mess with that relationship. And that's the work we do. And it makes all the difference. That speaks to me. Wow. 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 So then my other question is, would you say that also relates to physical illness and disease? Because so I've had Lyme disease for four years and a lot of people who listen to this podcast suffer also from chronic illness. And I'm always trying to figure out the spiritual connection to my body and to these physical symptoms of pain. which remind me of what you're talking about with the weight. Well, first of all, I'm very sorry. I had surgery last year and I never had experienced serious pain before my post-op period, two months of excruciating pain. So I have, um, I would have cared before I had that experience. I would have cared what you just said, but I have a, a depth of compassion for what you just said. I would have not have had before. So to you and to anyone listening who's experiencing chronic pain, I am so sorry. Number one, it is proven the the beneficial effect that spirituality does in terms of the the performance of the the, um, immune system, right? Because it's not just the power of the disease, it's the power of the immune system, right? You want to compensate for the power of the disease. We want to heal the disease. We want to manage the disease. But we also want to compensate for the effect of the disease, right? Through your own immune system and through your own consciousness. Meditation, prayer, forgiveness. I remember a young man with AIDS who said to me many years ago, we were talking about the power of forgiveness. And he said, do I have to forgive everybody? And I remember saying, well, I don't know. What do you have? They have a flu. You have AIDS. Because if you only have the flu, just forgive a few people. (laughs) But if you have a serious illness, let's get serious about this and remove any block. Unforgiveness tightening it block. Unforgiveness is a is a block. And you and you you want your all of the chi, all of the things that I'm sure you know to just be free-flowing. And also, enlightenment is a shift. The Course in Miracles says enlightenment is a shift in self-perception from body identification to spirit identification. One of the problems with chronic pain, one of the problems with any kind of sickness or pain, is that it makes us have to think about the body so much. Right. That's part of the problem. It is. Uh, it's, your, it's your doctor's job to think about the body. It's certainly your job to take care of the body, but not to be obsessed with the body because the Course in Miracles says that the body heals when we're not looking at it. The Course in Miracles says that you were created to hold the body lightly and that holding it in, uh, heavily to too much concentration on it puts a stress on it it was not meant to carry. Wow. So the more work that you do it is the work of the spirit disconnected from the body. Every time you meditate, every time you're involved in activity where you're not putting the, the, the pressure on the body gives the body a greater chance to heal. Wow. So that's why body, mind, spirit is all involved. And that's why nothing could be uh, better for you while you're doing this uh, and getting over this situation than meditation, that makes a serious so meditation. Much sense. 
Yeah, I know. It's such this over-identification with the body when you're very sick. And I've so recognized this obsession that at times in my life, not long ago at all, that took over. How can I feel good today? What can I do? Because this hurts and that hurts. And it really does take you away from that inner peace, the spirit that you're talking about, the ability to heal and return to love. Pain. What I learned from my experience, physical pain is very debilitating. It's debilitating emotionally. It's debilitating intellectually. When I first was, I had, it was a rotator cuff uh, injury. When it first happened before I even had the surgery, but I was, I was already in a lot of pain, nothing compared to the post-op, but already in a lot of pain, which is how I knew I had to do something. I went onto my Facebook page. And I asked, because so many people do Reiki and healing and prayers, and I asked for help. And that night, 5,000 people responded. And I had not realized until then how many people live with chronic pain. And I also would say to you, Jordan, you always want to ask, how could my suffering be of use to others who suffer? And there are so many ways, particularly now online, prayer groups like, okay, like people can put their names who are having a rough day today. We're all going to pray for them or do Reiki for them at nine o'clock tonight or whatever. Um, And you already are, of course, using your work as a platform to discuss these things. But you can go deeper and deeper into it in terms of synchronized prayer, uh, synchronized meditation, um, all those ways. The, the the answer always has to do with things we can do joining with other people. Yeah, that's very helpful. Very helpful. And it makes a lot of sense. So on a different note entirely, I'm so curious because you've been part of this spiritual community since the 1970s. It has changed wow. so much. I mean, I was born in 1990, but I know it has changed so much. In my daughter's so, age. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I, I, I knew that actually. And I love that. So how has it shifted and what has that meant for you in your life? Does that feel like more people are more accepting of the message that you share? I think it's shifted in some negative way. Hmm. Um, when I started, there was no career path. You, you weren't ambitious for anything. Today, it's been so taken over by a kind of capitalist mentality. Too many people, in my opinion, take a couple of seminars and call themselves spiritual teachers. Too many people dabble in a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then call them spiritual guides. I think that's very unfortunate. Um, It has become... At first, it was great that it was becoming such a mainstream part of the culture, a kind of non-denominational spiritual approach to life. But it's become too much among certain segments about branding and career ambition, which wouldn't have even occurred to me when I began because there wasn't a career to be ambitious for. A lot of it, for my taste, does not include deep service to others. And there is no spiritual path. 
that takes a pass on addressing the suffering of other sentient beings. If you're not attending to suffering of other human beings and other species, then there's no real spiritual depth there. And over the last year, I've become, as many people have, deeply concerned, and maybe you, Jordan, could give me some insight about this. Why have so many people in our community become taken over or lured into the QAnon conspiracy theory? Do you have any idea how that happens? I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. This is something that I've been thinking and talking a lot about lately as well. Um, with dear friends of mine. And I'm so happy that we're talking about it here on the podcast because I'm sure you, like myself, actually, maybe you don't, but I get messages every day. You're not affiliated with QAnon, are you? Because you're spiritual and you're a wellness influencer. I know, all these things. It's terrible for our community and how it's perceived. I go through my DMs and I say, no, I'm not affiliated with QAnon, but I think, you know, people who listen to this podcast know that deeply. And to answer your question, I think it may have happened because there's such a deep questioning of the media and people don't know where to turn to to find something that is true, that feels true to them. And so they start to question things, which is good. I think question things, absolutely. Then they start to question everything. People, some people start to question everything. And I think QAnon really pulls people in, from my opinion, who are questioning everything. And they've felt so alone in not trusting the media and questioning everything. And, and some of these arguments, they, they, I can see how they make sense to someone who's deep seeking and, and maybe struggling in areas of their life. And from there, yes, I mean, it's all over. And You know, I'm, it's interesting. I had thought when I ran for president, actually, I thought that the spiritual community would be interested in my campaign because I was talking about how to make our policies more compassionate, more loving, which is what spirituality should be. When you just said that you could see how some of it, I, I don't understand pedophiles who are satanic, uh, blood-drinking members of a Hollywood elite, which, by the way, is code for Jews. So Jews should be very concerned about it. I'm Jewish. Well, I'm Jewish. I know. Yeah, so any any Jew should get what that's about whenever they talk about people control Hollywood. That's code. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, as is the word globalist is also code. In white supremacist talk, um, controlling the deep state. Uh, I mean, I think people need to take responsibility for the fact that if you have not been reading the news, if you've not been knowing what's really going on in Washington, you can't quote unquote just blame the media. Right. No, if absolutely. You, and anyway, I'm, I'm glad. I think people such as yourself and myself and all of us within this community really do need to stand up and Mm -hmm. um uh, because there's something very dangerous i agree
Okay, so I am loving how many of you are loving the sober life. And even if it's not the sober life, just the sober curious life, I don't judge. But I personally love that I haven't had alcohol in two years and I'm having so much fun drinking Groovy. Groovy is a new line of craft alcohol-free beverages, beers and wines out of Colorado. They were founded by two siblings and this family-run business was inspired by a health-focused family who was searching for healthier alternatives to alcohol. They wanted to create a brand that was fun, youthful and proud to be alcohol free. And I can say it is fun. Like you crack these open, you feel like you're drinking rosé, but with absolutely no alcohol. Their bubbly rosé is gluten-free, which I love. And their mission is that they strive to create an inclusive community focused on making better choices within our daily lives. They truly believe in a world where everyone can feel comfortable in social settings, regardless of what's in your cup. I love that because I've always felt comfortable not drinking in social settings, but people ask me all the time, are you uncomfortable? Do you not want me to drink around you? I've never felt that way at all. And having one of these in your hands will make you feel even more confident. So it's absolutely, completely alcohol-free. They have Prosecco. They have a bubbly rosé. They have beers like IPA, stout, um, I can't even pronounce a lot of them because I never drank real beer, but I love it. And all of their wines are gluten-free, sulfate-free, no added sugars, and only 50 calories. And I think you guys are going to love it. So whether you did a dry January or you're just looking to head into this next month, hangover-free, which I love, Groovy is a great option to have on hand during your booze-free journey. They'll be sharing fun recipes, tips, and daily journaling prompts on their Instagram. So check them out there at Get Groovy. And you can order Groovy online at getgroovy.com. That's spelled G-R-U-V-I. And you can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, to save 10% off online. I know you guys will love. Now let's head back into this episode with Marianne. I feel hopeful because I have seen more people speaking up. I've seen a lot of people in the spiritual community just within the last week dismantling QAnon on their Instagram story. Oh, good. Really, really, really. Oh, I'm really, it makes me very happy to hear that. I've been reposting some of it, but I'm, I'm inspired to talk to you about this right now because you raised some good points about it and things that I hadn't I think you know more about it than I do. So I've only dipped into theories here and there. And there's no element of it that's good. No, I don't (laughs) think there's any element of it that's Mm -hmm. good. No. Um, Wow. So I can see then why you would say things have changed in a negative way. And do you think that social media plays a role in that? Well, I think social media is both. I think uh, definitely more really... Lies, disinformation, uh, horrible thing can be shared on social media, but so can many wonderful things be shared right. on social media. You know, there's a part in The Course in Miracles where it says that the material world is neither holy nor unholy, except as determined by the purpose you ascribe to it. If you're using social media to spread love, good information, deep conversation, when you and I were talking about people who are in chronic pain who can get on a, on a in a chat room, I mean, and and let's pray together. I mean, that you know, that we have also seen the wonderful things. You know, right. sometimes at night it'll be late at night, I can't sleep, and I'll get on Twitter, and I feel like it's just like 
like this dinner party where all these people, people don't know each other and don't even know each other's names are having these, like, some of these very interesting mm-hmm. conversations. But we also know the very bad things that can happen. Uh, and that's what people like Facebook and Twitter are all dealing with right now. You know, this is another thing about being Jewish. You know, um, when Twitter shut down Trump's uh, 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 Twitter page, and I think it might be back up again now, but when he, when they did that, there was a lot of conversation that Americans really need to grapple with because we, you know, First Amendment, freedom of speech. But as Sasha Baron Cohen said, who was a leader in Get Him Off Twitter, said, you know, if Hitler were alive today, he would be buying 30-second ads on Facebook. So people like Mark Zuckerberg are having to deal with how much of this hateful white supremacist um, activity came, was able to get out there because of social media. You know, I have a podcast. I don't know if you knew that. I do. But this week on my podcast, I'm talking to a man named Christian Picciolini. Christian Picciolini, when he was 14 years old, he was recruited into a neo-Nazi skinhead organization. And he stayed there until he was 22 years old. Once he got out, he became what's called a former. People who used to be in these white supremacist groups, the neo-Nazis, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the Boogaloos, it's a loose network now of so many groups, okay? And he now is a de-radicalizer. He helps people get out of that. But you know what he said? These people have become so so sophisticated with their recruitment. They go into teenage chat rooms on depression. They go into teenage chat rooms for autistic kids. Oh my gosh. They prey on people who are looking for community, identity, and purpose, he says. So these are very serious issues. And I think also, Jordan, for someone, for women your age, and like I said, my daughter is your age, I think that we live in a culture which has invited us to remain children for too long. Too many women in America behaving like girls and too many men behaving like boys. And I think probably the fact that you have dealt with a chronic illness has made you grow up in certain ways, right? More serious about life because it's a serious thing. I mean, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, we really have to support each other in that. I think most American women or any women living in a Western democracy, we have so much power to make the world a better place. And we can't go into ditziness. And uh, that goes back to the question you asked about the spiritual community. Because sometimes I look at the so-called spiritual community and, it, and it, some segments of it have been like, well, how can we all just be silly? Spirituality is not about being silly. It's about being Mm -hmm. your heart being open, but there's a difference between childlike and childish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's such a big difference. Wow. Wow. I'm so glad I asked you that question because I love your perspective. And I think it's so important for everyone listening to hear. And I hear you on spirituality becoming an industry. And it has been a little post about this, actually. 
And it's I even like, I, I read some of this stuff and I go, where's the spirituality? I know. I can't even imagine how you feel. having. Or some of the people who like will attack me on my Instagram page, let's say about, you know, from a cute perspective. And then I look at their page and it's all rainbows and unicorns. And I'm like, oh, like I don't get this. what I always say. Any hater that comes to me, I click on their thing and it's God is love. And yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. So how do you deal with the negativity? Block. I learned block. Block and delete. I've learned to delete. I've learned it. It's so joyful. You know, when I was running for office, I was told you couldn't do that. You had to mute. And also a big mistake I feel I made on my campaign is I should have spoken back to all the horrible things that were said about me. Mm. I was ill-advised just not to mention it because that takes att- brings attention to it. But the attention was already there. Um so I, I, I seek to speak back. No, what you just said was a lie, mm-hmm. you know, or on some on social media, just you're not. But I figure if I would not invite you into my home for dinner, then I don't want to invite you onto my Instagram page. Right. If I you're not know. polite enough to be in my house for dinner, then you're then, then why should I let you be on the thread on my Twitter? I disagree with me. Fine. Just you know, I'm, none of us have a monopoly on truth. I'm not always right. You know, disagree constructively and respectfully. But the haters and the it's so you know, different no. in the dark. Lock, lock, lock. Wow. Okay. So we know then if you do run for president again, which is up in the air, up in the hands of spirit, that you're going to defend yourself next time and you're going to say this is what's true and this is what's not true. And I think that's wonderful. Thank you, Jordan and. I have no idea if it'll ever happen, but uh, if it does, I will count on you to remind me of that if I ever forget. I will. I'll play this clip for you. (laughs) That would be great. I will. Um, That's the great thing about recording conversations. (laughs) So I want to ask you a few of the rapid fire questions that I have anyone who comes on before we go. Do you know your human design? No, but I know a woman named Robin. I think her name is Robin Wynn. And she has promised to do it. I've always heard such good things about human design, but I haven't oh, done it's it. It's amazing. Well, if you know your birth time, we can look it up. Do you okay. know? Okay, sure. Uh, the date or the time? Um, well, mm-hmm. you can give me all of it. I'm going to pull it up as we speak. This is going to be so fun. And then your friend can still read your chart for you and Great. go deeper. But let's see here. I'm pulling it up on a human design. So your birth year. Is. Uh, 1952. Oh, you're the same Just, age as my mom. Cool. And you're the same age as my daughter. Pretty much meant to be yeah. there. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so uh, July 8, 1952. My mom's July 9th. Oh, that's where she was born <laughs> literally a day after me. I love it. When's your birthday, Jordan? I'm October 11th. Ah, Libra. I'm a Libra. Um, so I was born at 353. 3 a.m. or 3.54 a.m. I don't okay. know. Okay. We'll go with 3.53 and the location. Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. You're a Texas girl. Everybody I know is moving to Texas. Yeah, everybody's going to Austin. Yeah, I know. Everybody. Okay, so you're a generator. That doesn't surprise me at all. That means that you have a generator inside of you that powers you through life. <laughs> you, yeah, apparently so. You're a lit up, juicy, beautiful generator. I see it so deeply. And you're a two four, which means you're the easy breezy genius. I don't know about the easy breezy part. I think there's some people who would, uh, well, and there are people who disagree with the genius part too, actually, but thank you. Oh, sound lovely. 
I so agree with it. So you can tell your friend who reads charts, you're a two, four generator and she can tell you everything. And so now we know you're also a cancer. Yeah, I am. Do you know your moon sign? Capricorn. Capricorn. I do know uh, pretty much about astrology. I think it's fascinating. Oh, me too. And you're rising? Gemini. Gemini. That's I do tend balanced. to talk a lot. Well, we love Geminis. Love air signs. As a fellow. My daughter is a Gemini. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so special. Yeah, she's Gemini with Cancer rising and I'm Cancer with Gemini rising. Yeah, that's so cool. I love mm-hmm. I love things in families like that. Uh-huh, I you see a lot, a lot of that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you a night person or a morning person? Night. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Oh, of course. Coffee before. I mean, I drink tea, but I'm more of a in the right. morning coffee. Yeah, me too. Who are three of your biggest inspirations or teachers? Well, the author of The Course in Miracles, certainly. Um, I think anything that comes from, from spirit, I, it, it, I don't know who else I would say. I read a lot of people. I think that in terms of the kind of work that we all do, I think Jean Houston was a tremendous, has been a tremendous influence on me. I I listen now when it comes to political and uh, social things. I listen a lot to someone named Matt Taibbi. I'm going to look him up. Hmm? Yeah, do. Amazing. Um. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I hope happy. I I hope happy too. I think I, best. You learn that happiness is not circumstance dependent. And the ego mind, you know, doesn't really know. You think, well, I'll be happy if this happens or I'll be happy if that happens. But you don't really know. You really be happy if you're living your highest best and you can't know kind of what the assignment's going to be. I will add there, though, one thing that I know would make me happy is grandchildren. <laughs> That's so well, exciting. I'll put in grandkids. I'll put in grandkids, hopefully. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, would love that so much. And so, so would my special. daughter. So that's a good news. Okay, good. Yes, that's the best. Wow. Um, so this is not a typical rapid fire, but I'm going to ask this to you. Okay. What, what is it like to be on Oprah and to know Oprah so well? Well, Oprah is in person who she is publicly. So when you're sitting on the couch with Oprah, you feel like you're sitting on the couch with anyone else. And that's why she gets such good interviews, because she makes people feel like we're just talking. She's a very genuine person. And she's done so much good for the world. And I'm just very grateful to her for what she gave to me, which was a career, really. That's incredible. Wow. I've listened to all your interviews with her and conversations and they're all so good. And I know she just, she's, she's great. Looks to you as a teacher, which is. No, I don't think she does. I think that that's, that was a kind of myth that people made up. 
Oh, I thought I heard her say that. Well, I, I mean, I certainly she supported my books and I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But she supported so many people's books, you know. She's and made the, a lot of careers. Yeah. She's yeah. special. And so, you know, the fact that she, you know, has read my books, supported my books, I, I don't think she then sees me as an advisor any more than I see her as an advisor. I mean, she advises all of us. So right. we all advise each other. It's mutual. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And what's on the horizon for you? What are you excited about right now? Well, I have my podcast and I have my daily lessons, The Course in Miracles that I'm, you know, taping for people. And I am developing a television show. And uh, yeah, because I want to present more and more ideas for, you know, there's, um, uh, I first heard Deepak Chopra talk about the imaginal cells. Do you know what imaginal cells are? No. Well, when a caterpillar disintegrates, it literally disintegrates into what scientists call an imaginal soup. And the cells of the imaginal soup, they're called imaginal cells. And out of the imaginal cells arise the butterfly. And that's where I feel we are, that we we were on a caterpillar stage. We're now in this imaginal soup. And I want to do a television show where every night we can talk about this is the way it is, but this is how it could be. And these are the people who are doing it the way it could be. And this is how you can participate in how it could be. And this is how we'll transform the world. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, so that's where the world is. And we would say that's a lot to think about. But I agree with you. I mean, having heard you say that, I do. So I know you said this in the beginning, you know, what we can do to further this message. But is there anything else you want to leave us with on that? No, just uh, how grateful I am uh, that you had me on. And also, that all of us can celebrate the fact that we have a new moment, a new window of possibility. And uh, let's try to forgive, uh, detoxify, and uh, learn from the past and take this world to a better place. Beautiful. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Marianne Williamson. Like I said in the intro, it was a dream to have her on the show. She's been one of my longtime dream guests and something that I'm really happy we got into in this conversation that I didn't anticipate talking to her about is QAnon. And I just wanted to share my stance about QAnon because I haven't really publicly shared it before Marianne and I started talking. I didn't realize what an absolute monstrosity has has come out of this whole QAnon thing until she educated me about some of these code words, which really freaked me out. And I learned, okay, there's some dark stuff going on here. So while I do encourage people to question things, I question things. I definitely don't encourage anyone to go down any rabbit holes online or in real life that are full of darkness. Marianne is the real deal. She's full of light. And it's so easy to tell she's full of light by reading her books, by talking to her, by listening to her. I'm sure by listening to this conversation, you felt that way. And when I started going down some of the more conspiracy type of rabbit holes earlier last year, I quickly realized anything having to do with QAnon felt really dark to me. 
So it really didn't speak to me and I didn't end up learning that much about it. But I've learned a lot from like-minded friends and from a lot of people in the spiritual community who are speaking out against these darker conspiracy theories. And I think Marianne Williamson is a very good person to get your info from. So I really hold her opinion in high regard and I wanted to further her message here in the outro by saying, always stay in the light and anything that has a lot of darkness attached to it, i.e. hatred for other people, white supremacy, etc., just doesn't feel light. It's not light. I mean, it's actually very dark. So I'm really happy that we were able to talk about that just as I'm happy that we were able to talk about whether Marianne will run for president again and her human design and her astrology and just all the wonderful things that we all got to learn from her in this conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, it would mean so much to me. And I will send you a free gift if you email me a screenshot of your rating and review. I'm actually giving away some big gifts this month. I have so much extra product, skincare, adaptogens, um, sunscreen, all completely organic, vegan. What else? I have snacks. I got all the good brands and I'm probably going to give away to like 10 people who rate and review the podcast, especially today, because this episode is so dear to my heart. I was really nervous. I'm really, really, really hard on myself, really hard on myself. And I'm just trying to be more honest about that with you guys, because I've talked about it behind closed doors with my husband and my best friend Jillian who I'm here in Florida with and I felt like the best thing to do is to be authentic to you guys and just say I'm very human and I'm very very hard on myself so I love receiving the kind reviews. I love hearing from people who listen to the podcast who may not usually reach out or maybe you always reach out. I want to hear from everybody specifically this week because Yeah, like I said, I'm hard on myself. I was having a really rough week and this is not to garner sympathy, but maybe just to be really authentic with you guys and really open. So I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you feel inspired or called to rate and review, I'll be giving away a lot of free gifts. I'll also be giving away my free yoga ebook to everyone who rates and reviews. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors, Four Sigmatic, Groovy, and Olipop. You can use the code BLONDE at any of those fabulous, fabulous brands websites to get a discount plus free shipping for some of those. All the links are in the show notes, as well as links to Marianne's website, her books, her daily practices that she talked about. And I'm just so grateful to have had her on. I'm so grateful to have you all here. I'm sending you so much love and I can't wait to talk next week. Oh, and P.S. Very final thing. If you haven't heard Monday's bonus episode yet, it is a meditation that I recorded here in Miami to guide you into the cosmos. So if you're feeling star CD, if you're looking for connections to your star family from beyond, or even just to your higher self, or if you want to explore going up, up, up into your wisdom crown chakra versus deep into the earth, like the last meditation we did on the podcast back in March, then check out that meditation. It's for everybody. I hope you love it. And I would also love to know what you think about that. So shoot me a message, email me, DM me, review the podcast, whatever you want to do. And I love you guys. I hope everyone has an amazing soul on fire day.